If you have your Bibles, turn to Ecclesiastes chapter 9. Ecclesiastes chapter 9. And tonight I'm going to preach against St. Patrick. No, not really. Amen. I don't know enough about it to preach against it. Amen. And I've been doing some research, and I heard that he got saved and uh, that he became a missionary, so I'm going to call him Missionary Patrick. Amen. Not St. Patrick. Anything uh, like a saint I don't I don't like because it's affiliated with the Catholic Church. But um, I don't believe in good luck. I believe in good Lord. Amen. And I believe in the providence of God. Ecclesiastes 8 is all about the providence of God and unfolding of this view of the mystery of the divine providence of God. You ought to read uh, verse 7 and uh, chapter 7 chapter 8. I don't have time to get into it because we're dismissing early tonight for the safety of our children. But in chapter 9, we see a continuing uh, in the view of the world's wrong standards of value. The wrong standards of value. You know, it's a sad thing today, but a lot of children get their values from other children. I'm talking about teenagers. I'm talking about young adults. They look to others for their value. You don't look to others for value. You look to God for value. And your values should not be worldly values. It ought to be godly values. Amen? And um, anything that drives you to drink more beer or party, I'm not for it. I'll just be honest with you. Uh, but I'm, I'm not here to preach against St. Patrick today. But I do not believe in good luck. My mother did. She would not let me walk under a ladder. Uh, she had me out in the uh, front yard looking for four-leaf clovers for hours at a time to bring us luck. And I thought, my word, I guess that's why I'm so against good luck now because my mother believed in it so much, I got fed up with it, amen? I said, I think we're having some bad luck. House burnt down, cars wrecked, daddy won't stop drinking. And I want to tell you something, it's the good Lord that uh, brings everything into your life, allows everything in your life. It's called the providence of God. How many believe in the providence of God? Say amen. And all things work together for the good of them that love God according to his purpose. It's not good luck you made it through COVID. It's good Lord. Somebody congratulated Miss Rose that she was a lucky person by going through the COVID. No, she had a good Lord that made her, got her through the COVID. Amen? And uh, it's not good luck. And so I'm not going to preach against that. But I believe verse 1 of Ecclesiastes 9 kind of summarizes this thought. It says, For all this I considered in my heart, even to declare all this, that the righteous and the wise and their works are in the hand of God. Say amen. There it is. No man knoweth either love or hatred by all that is before them. In other words, the world doesn't control you. God controls everything. And so verses 1 through, I'm just going to summarize this and I'll preach it next week. But I want you to see that we ought to reckon with the unpredictable life. Verses 2 through 6 talk about the unpredictable life, Brother Cody. It says, and all things come alike. To all there is one event, to the righteous and to the wicked, to the good and to the, to the clean and to the unclean, to the him that sacrificeth, to him that sacrificeth not. As it is good, so is the sinner, and so is the sweareth, as he that feareth an oath. This is an evil among all things that are done under the sun. There's a perspective through Ecclesiastes. It's under the sun and eternity. We ought to have an eternal view. We ought to have eternal values. And we ought to have an eternal reaction when it comes to problems and trials and even good fortune and blessing. Look at verse 3. This is an evil among all things that are done under the sun 
that there is one event unto all, yea, the heart of the sons of men in full of evil, madness in their hearts while they live, and after that they go to the, to, to the dead. For to him that is joined to all the living there is hope, for a living dog is better than a dead lion. And so the living know that they shall die, but the dead know not anything, neither they have any more a reward, for the memory of, the, of them is forgotten. Also their love and their hatred and their envy and now perish, neither have they any more a portion forever in anything that is done under the sun. So first of all, in verses 2 through 6, we find out that many Christians have a karma style of Christianity. What goes around will come around. That is a heathen philosophy of the one world, of the New Age movement. Karma goes against a personal accountability to a sovereign but loving God. Say amen. It goes against the accountability to God. It was just good karma. It was bad karma. Karma goes against the doctrine of grace. Karma kills compassion, sympathy, and empathy because you, uh, you, believers, you believe everyone gets what they deserve. They got good karma, bad karma. Karma is unbiblical and it's disappointing. But folks, the grace of God is so wonderful. And that's exactly what he said in verses 2 through 6. There's a lot of things in this earth and a lot of things happen. But folks, nothing happens like verse 1 says uh, because all their works are, are in the hand of God. And so folks, listen, we need to realize that if you were, if you're, if you were given a message from heaven that you were going to live just this day, what would you do differently? Or maybe just this year, you thought 2021 will be the year that I die. Uh, there would uh, there'd be several immediate changes. Value, valuable things would be clear and immensely more valuable, like your family, like the Word of God, like salvation, like souls. But dispensable things would be dramatically and radically more clearly dispensable. The theme of your life would be, if you had one year to live, what really matters? Ecclesiastes 9 is God's preemptive call to access and adjust your life in the light of eternity. And let me give you this word, what is essential? I've heard that a lot lately, that this is an essential meeting. I wish the governor of, of California would understand that it's essential that the church is open. It's essential that people have a chance to worship. They don't, they don't mean they have to be there. They might want to stay at home. That's their prerogative. That's their right, and that's their privilege. And I thank God for the broadcast today, or I'd feel like I was only preaching to a few, but I believe I'm preaching to hundreds out there, amen, at least two or three more. But, uh, folks, we need to realize that, number two, clarity is, uh, uh, clarity is a simple purpose. Here, here where business picks up in this, in this chapter it says in verse 7, Go thy way, eat bread with joy, drink thy wine with a merry heart, for God now accepteth thy works. So what's done for Christ is the only thing that counts. And folks, what's valuable to God is what ought to be valuable to you. And so we can have a perspective on what's essential. And folks, how different life would be if, if we would just discipline ourselves to seek only that which is valuable to God how our life would be radically changed. The Bible says, go thy way. Challenge you to choose the way that God has designed for your life. 
We should not lean on our understanding. We ought to, we ought to, we ought to trust the Lord, and he shall bring it to pass. Uh, look at Psalms uh, 32, verse 8. Psalms 32, verse 8, please. Um, Psalms, Proverbs, a couple chapters back, or books back. And Psalms chapter 32, and look at verse 8, please, real quick. We'll try to, we've got we to gotta hurry because we we're trying to dismiss about five, ten till so the bus drivers can get in their place. By the way, if you need me to take anybody home, I'll be glad to, to help you. And uh, verse, chapter 32, verse 8, please. The Bible says this. It says, I will instruct thee and teach thee in the way which thou shalt go. I will guide thee with my eye. Isn't it wonderful to know that God overlooks and he looks before and he looks behind and surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And folks, he is, the, he is a, a Lord that, that is with you and the, good, the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. Amen. It's not good luck. It's not good karma. It's good, good Lord, good Christ. So Solomon's now turning his heart in a humble reverence and worship. This self-driven man is now a God-driven man, and the idolater is now worshiping, and worshiping compels him to serve his God with purpose and passion. Look at verse 8. Let thy garments be always white, and let thy head lack no ointment. Live joyfully with the wife whom thou lovest all the days of thy life of thy vanity. Now, what a change that was. He had a thousand wives, and all of a sudden he says, hey, listen, son, whoever reads this, and I believe Ecclesiastes was written in the latter part of his life, stay with the wife of your youth. Stay with the wife that God's given you. Don't shop around. And so, folks, he, he talks about this clarity that's returned to him and what is valuable and what's essential is he, he's dwelling on. Look at verse 10. Whosoever thy hand findeth to do, do it with all thy might. For there is no work, nor device, nor knowledge, nor wisdom in the grave whether thou goest. It'll be too late to work for Jesus. It'll be too late to glorify God. And folks, listen, life is short at the longest, so don't waste it, but invest it and realize what's valuable. And so this guy with a thousand wives now saying, stick with the woman for your one woman for life. That's a change, isn't it? He is now saying, accept your portion, your destiny, your lot, that God has given you gifts. God has appointed a place to, uh, for you to be in the will of God, and you ought to be excited about that. Time is fleeting. Tomorrow is no guarantee. Uh, do what God's told you to do, and do it with all your heart and all your soul, all your mind and all your might. Folks, he gives, um, he gives it all to God and his glory with a merry heart. I want to tell you something. We Christians ought to be excited, and we ought to be enthusiastic, and we ought to be happy. We ought to be happy. It says, it says in verse 11, I returned and saw unto the sun that the race is not to the swift, nor the battle to the strong. Hey, listen to this. Neither yet bread to the wise, nor yet riches to the men of understanding, nor yet favor of men of skill, but time and chance happen to them all. In other words, the providence of God will give the lowest person, the most humble person, the poorest person, maybe the less talented person, a chance to do something with their life. And every person's precious in God's sight. And here's this rich man that's the richest man probably on earth, the man with a 1,000 wives and 300 concubines, and I've never figured that out. That's, that's as perplexing to me as St. Patrick. But I want to tell you something, friend. 
he said, listen, we see this, the spirit of Jesus says in Luke chapter 2, verse 49, when Jesus was left in the temple, he said, I must be about my father's business. In John chapter 9, verse 4, he said, uh, Lord, work for, for, while, the, while the day is, is here because the night soon comes when no man can work. And then Paul really put it straight in Philippians chapter 3, and I'll close with that, um, about pressing towards the mark of the high calling and counting everything in your life but refuge or dung, he said, manure. That's what he said. Uh, that's not of God. And, and he gave all his credentials in Philippians chapter 3, and then he said, hey, listen, my desire, amen, Brother Travis, my desire is to know God, that I may know him. That's intimate. And folks, the answer is this. Uh, we, we try to calculate success, but verse 11 and 12 and 13 says, hey, listen, God calculates success. And the man that's successful is the one that meditates day and night in the, in the word of God and lives the word of God and, and finds out the gifts of God and, 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 and uses those. Um, don't try to calculate success by Visible indicators, he was saying. There's factors beyond your control. It's the providence of God. And don't get caught up in what other people try to approve, but get caught up in what God approves and what God counts as valuable. Let's have some value, value clarification tonight. What does God value? In verses 13 through 18, he gives a parable. He said, this wisdom have I seen also under the sun, and it seemeth great unto me. There was a little city, and a few men within, and there came a great king against it, and besieged it, and built great buck buckwards against it. Now there was found in it a poor, wise man, and he by his wisdom delivered the city, yet no man remembered that same poor man. And then said I, wisdom is better than strength. Nevertheless, the poor man's wisdom is despised. Count his little value, and his words are not heard, and the words of a wise man are heard in the quiet more than the cry of him that ruleth among fools. Wisdom is better than weapons of war, but one sinner destroyeth much good. What's he saying? You need to build your life with the aim to impact. Instead of just making steps in the sand, you ought to make imprints on people. Uh, Greg McCowan said this, if you don't prioritize your life, somebody else will. If you don't have priorities, somebody else will. You ought to have the priority of worship. You ought to have the priority of this book. You ought to have priority of glorifying God. And if you don't, you will live as a slave to peer pressure. You will live as a slave to trying to get value out of somebody else, trying to get value uh, in the eyes of man and sometimes wicked man. It's a, it's, folks, listen, it's making the wisest possible investment of your time and energy in order to have the highest point of contribution by doing what is essential. What is essential? Folks, we need to thrive, and we will thrive, not when we survive, but when we live with values, God's values. I'll turn to Philippians chapter 3 in closing. i got a few minutes. And I preached some of this to the children, and boy, did they listen this morning. And there was only a, about a two of them that was past the eighth grade, but buddy, those little children listened with all their heart. And I appreciate them so much. Appreciate that school and what they're trying to do. And folks, we see that 
there's three words that you need to circle in Philippians 3. And I want to just, just really get to the chase and start with, uh, with uh, uh, verse 8. The Bible says this, or 7, it says, But what things were gained to me, those I counted lost for Christ. Those I counted lost. Circle the word count. And then look at verse 8. Yea, doubtless I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Jesus Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and do count them but dung, manure, waste, refuge, that I may win Christ. Folks, that means that I might win his approval, that I might win his pleasure, that I might win his applause. See, you're guilty and I'm guilty of living for the applause of men rather than the applause of heaven. And we need to live for the applause of heaven. What pleases God? We need to really have, have the right values in verse 7 and 8. We need to have count. We need to count. And I like verse 7 where it says, for Christ. That summarizes it right there. The bottom line of your Christian life, the bottom line of your life is for Christ. Look at Philippians 1.20. It says, according to my earnest expectation and my hope, that in nothing I shall be ashamed, but that which is all boldness and always, so now also. He's in jail, so now also. Christ shall be magnified in my body, whether by life or by death. Now there, there's a value check. He, he, he thought that it was more important to glorify God than to live. He thought it was more important to glorify God than take his next breath. He thought it was more important to God than uh, to uh, be in prison if it glorified God than to be free. How many could say that? I don't think we can. He thought it was more important because look at verse 21. He said, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. Both Christ ought to be essential to you. And by the way, if you don't believe he's essential, then you're probably not saved because he is the way, the truth, and the life. And no man come to the Father but by me. And the Lord created you for a reason. And that's what you ought to count valuable. What God says about your life. What God says about your choices. Look at Colossians chapter 1 verse 16. Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. Look at Colossians 1 16. I love these verses. It says, for by him were all things created. Let me believe that. Amen. Come on now. It says, by him all things were created. Now listen to this. That are in heaven, that are in earth, visible, invisible, whether it be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. Now here it is. All things were created by him. Everybody say amen. And for him. There's the key. You want to get your values straightened out. You want to get your evaluation of what is essential a lot of people say, it's my health that's essential. No, it's not. It's the glory of God that's essential. It's my life that's essential. I went and got a physical. I get one every six months for some reason. And um, I just knew that something was going to be bad. Because, you know, sometimes when you get as old as I am, you're expecting something negative. And they called me the next day and said, Mr. Cofield, all your blood work is in the normal range. I said, thank you, nurse. It's the first time I've been called normal in a long time. Praise God. And then they said, congratulations on losing three pounds. I said, losing three pounds? I'm still heavier than I've ever been in my life. And I've really cut down. I hadn't had sweet tea in 24 hours 
I've got DTs, but I'm, I'm trying, amen? And I'm going to lose 20 pounds or bust, amen? I'm going to start walking with Mark and ha- hiking, I guess, amen? I won't go that far. Went to the aquarium Monday, and I just I couldn't even keep up with the children. I couldn't even keep up with them. I said, glory to God. Every time I saw a bench, I didn't care about the whale and the shark. And the, Jason's all excited about that. He, he, he majored in marine biology. That's why he likes diving so much. And but he was pointing all this stuff out to the kids, and I was looking for the next next bench. Amen. My wife buys a season's pass. If y'all want to go, we can let y'all go free. I'm staying at home. Amen. Y'all can have all the whales you want. But I want to tell you something, friend. Every step's a blessing from God. And when you can't take your next step, and when you can't take your next breath, and when you have a heart attack, and you can't take your hey, and when you have a stroke and you can't move, you'll thank God that you could move. And then when you start moving again, you give God the glory for it, amen? There, hey, listen, God knows how to rearrange your priorities. And if you put anything before God, even yourself, it's a dangerous thing. You put anyone before God, in, uh, your job, your career, your money, God can take it away just that quick. That's why we honor God with the first fruits, not the leftovers. We tithe. We give our time, our talents. We give our worship. We give our praise. Why? Because all things were and are created for him. But look at this, Colossians 1.17. It says, and he is before all things, and by him all things consist. The word consist is where we get the word cosmic glue. Folks, it's atoms and protons and all that stuff, neutrons. You know the, you know the science. I, I forgot it, but I'm, I'm pretty sure that Folks, God, and I know for sure, God holds everything together in your life. And some people can shake their fist at God and say, I don't need God, I need science. I don't need God, I need a doctor. I don't need God, I just need my money. I don't need God, I just need what I want. And what I need to be popular and I need to be accepted and I need to be uh, counted as essential. And folks, God can take all that away from you in a second. And then you'll realize you need to count on him. But after God blesses you, you know what you ought to do with that blessing? You ought to give him the glory that he's consistent and he's consistent and that you consist. So God saved you. First of all, God created you. God saved you and God sustained you. And that's a threefold right to your life and everything that's in it. God God created you. God created all things. And for him, that's when you get saved. You give your life back to him. That's only your reasonable service. You'll be in union with your creator, and then all things consist by him. He holds you together. You scientists know what I'm talking about. He holds matter together. If it wasn't for God, that pew would just disintegrate in a second. That's what's going to happen one day. If it wasn't for God, you'd fall apart. And I want to tell you something. The world is falling apart. They're going crazy. And, folks, only God can keep you together. Only God can give you composure and consistency. God is the one. God is the one. Not good luck. God, help not karma. Who in the world is karma? Some new age movement. You know, that's good karma. I see those movie stars that are not stars at all. It's talking about karma. Why don't they talk about Christ? Why don't they talk about God? Hey, even CBS, old liberal CBS, had to run the news uh, cast this morning that they found more of the Dead Sea Scrolls. Isn't that wonderful? People jeopardizing their life, going down 
the edge of a mountain and going in a cave and finding pieces of the Bible, the Dead Sea Scrolls. That ought to thrill your soul. That's even making the heathens and the good karma and the good luck people saying, wait a minute, maybe this Bible is true. Maybe God is real. Maybe God is right. Maybe God is the authority. And I'm going to tell you something. He is and he's coming any minute. Amen. And so our prayer should be this. Lord, help me to count right. The world is crazy. And they flipped all the vase. It's what makes you feel good, do it. Oh, that's never there. Oh, if it makes you happy, do it. If it makes you popular, do it. No, if it glorifies God, then do it. Count, count, count. So seeing the world through God's eyes is the definition of real wisdom. Discern what God counts as value. Let me tell you a few things in closing. My time's up. That God counts as valuable that you ought to count as valuable. Your soul. What does it profit a man if he gained the whole world and lose his soul? Hey, Mark 8, 36, saying that the world, one soul is worth the whole world. The whole world. Had a great missionary call me this Yesterday, I said I'm in the aquarium, and I can't, I can't, I can't look at my calendar. Matter of fact, I can't even breathe right now. I'm sitting down trying to get my breath. No, I wasn't that bad. I said, "Call me tomorrow." And he called me, going to Mozambique, some place called Mozambique, Mozambique. I don't know what it is, but it's over there. And he's going to it. And then the next hour, there's a, a newscast. Several mothers watched their 11-year-old and 12-year-old and 9-year-old beheaded in that same country. And I thought to myself, Noah, Wilkerson, do you know where you and your wife are going? And they do know where they're going. Maybe they're not going to that village or that part of Mozambique, but I want to tell you something, friend. They're willing to risk and jeopardize their life for the souls of men. So souls must be pretty important. Say amen. Folks, it's important to God. It ought to be important to us. In 1993, Mark and Tanya Rich, who had joined the other two couples in the jungle of Panama to translate the Bible for the Kuna Indians, and um, they were being interviewed on 2020, and eight years ago, uh, the Rich's missionary home was invaded by armed men and abducted Mark and the same, they, kid, they also kidnapped uh, two other missionaries and left their wives and children behind. And 2020 interviewed Tanya Rich. At the end of the interview, the reporter asked the question, looking back now, was it worth to risk your family? And don't you miss your husband? Which was a dumb question. Reporters can show how dumb they are. You know, and, uh, he, and she looked at him and said, I'm human. And I'm, I hurt. And I want my husband back. But there's some things that are worth living for. And there's some things worth dying for. And one of those things worth living for and dying for is the gospel. What an answer. And what values. And that reporter could not say one word more. He ended the interview at that moment. The word of God is value. 
More to be desired than gold. Thank you for that song again. Yea, than fine gold. Sweeter than the honey and the honeycomb. Psalms 1911 says the word of God is more important than gold. If we treat this Bible like we treat our cell phone, and we treat this Bible like we treat money, and we treat this Bible like we do food, then we're getting close to God. Number three, not only is the soul, souls of men valuable and the word of God is valuable, but the way of salvation is valuable. I love 1 Peter 1, 18. For as much as we know that we're not redeemed by corruptible things such as silver and gold, or from your vain conversations received from the tradition from your father, you're never saved by religion. But it says, but with the what? Precious blood of Christ, as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. I'm going to tell you what's valuable, precious. You know what precious means? Your wife ought to be precious to you. You know what precious is? There's nobody like her. Come on, men, say amen. I know there's only three of us out there, but praise God you can say it. Hey, listen, precious means nobody can take her place. That's precious. And I want to tell you something. There's nothing, no nothing that can take the place of the blood of Jesus. It's the way to salvation. And we ought to count it as precious, precious. So I want to have a value clarification tonight. I want us to get our values straight. I want us to stop looking for our self-value in the eyes of other people. That's sorry, worldly, societal peer pressure. I got to measure up. I got to do this and do that. And people have done some crazy things to look good to their friends. I want to tell you what you need to do. You need to look good to your Savior. And you need to please Him more than them. And you need to please Him more than yourself. And sometimes you have to take a risk and go knock on a door and risk getting your feelings hurt. Or more than that hurt. And folks, you have to take a risk and go overseas. We've got two missionary wives sitting in here. Miss Rebecca and Miss uh, Corley. You have to take the risk to leave your comfort of your comfort zone and your culture and your country and go to a foreign place where it's strange and, the, and even the language is strange. But it's worth it because the blood of Jesus cleanses from all sin of those that receive it. And the word of God is valuable, precious. And thank God a soul is worth more than the world. And so, folks, we need to get some things straight. What is valuable to God? And, folks, we low rate the value of the things of God when we live by luck or by karma or by the whims of the flesh or what feels good will do it when we ought to say, Dear God, you're in control of everything. I believe in your providence. I believe you work all things together and you even allow trouble and trials in our life, even sickness and death in our life for you to be glorified. And when you can pray that prayer and when you can mean it in your soul and react and transact and react with those values, then you can know that you are living for Christ and the die will be gained. Because one day, one day, 
you'll hear, well done, my good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over a few things. I'll make you rule over many, enter into the joy of the Lord. And so I'm going to tell you what account. Your values will be clarified at the judgment seat of Christ. What you do for Christ will last. What you do for yourself or this world will be burned up in wood, hay, and stubble. Father, use this message. I thank you, dear God, for Ecclesiastes chapter 9 that we just used as introduction and just read mostly. God, thank you for Paul that learned to count. And Lord, that he counted his own life as and all the things and all his credentials and all his education and all his religion as dung, as refuge. But Lord, he lived for Christ. Lord, I believe he fought a good fight. He finished his course. He kept the faith. Lord, I thank you for his faithfulness. I thank you for his values. Lord, we see his vigor when he said, I press towards the mark. God, I see his vision when he says, I look for the Savior. I look to the judgment seat of Christ. I look to be accepted in the beloved, accepted by being a servant, being faithful. So Lord, help us to keep first things first. and Help us to keep eternal, essential things first and foremost and preeminent in our life because we believe we're created by you and for you and that you keep us consistently living and that every breath Every heartbeat, every thought, every move, every motion is from God. Lord, we know it's our reasonable service that we present our bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God. How many saying here, preacher? we got about four minutes before we're dismissed. Tonight, I want to count right. I want to have the right values in my life. I want to appreciate what God's given my family and my health, my marriage, my wealth, my home, the ability to think, and God, the ministry, and the gifts, and the opportunities and responsibilities I have through this local church. And I just want to be faithful. I want to be faithful to value what you value and count important what you count important. I just want to be a a Christian that releases and relinquishes control of their own life and gives you everything that you deserve. That means all. That's your prayer tonight. Would you slip your hand up real high for prayer? Thank you. God bless you all over this place. I know I need to lift my hand up and say, Dear God, help me have the right values, the right vigor right vision. Lord, thank you for the message. Use it for your glory. Thank you for the faithful few that made it here. Thank you for the several I hope and pray listen by way of internet. Thank you for the media. Thank you for the ability to bring the message to the homes. God, I pray that you'd use this word for eternal dividends for your glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.